Yeah, so how about this weather, huh? Middle of February, and it's just beautiful outside. Uh, I'm excited about that this morning. Uh, it, it is, uh, yesterday was my birthday. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, we went apple picking yesterday. Does anybody, your tradition is to apple pick? Yeah, so we do the apple picking theme. We went to this one farm. We had a good time, you know. You had to get tickets this year. It's not only a church that you got to register. You got to register at apple farms. You know, and so we went there, and uh, the one we went to in Lockport, I think it was Blackman's or something like that. Anyway, you could pick out your turkey for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, this is perfect. And so we go to the pen, and my family's gathered around. I said, what turkey do you want? You know, and so uh, we're soliciting names for turkeys from our family, and I will stick a name tag in the turkey on Thanksgiving Day in that turkey's honor, huh? I mean, what a day. Hey, before I get into this message, that last song that we sang about Jesus... I just, I just want to have an Easter moment. You know, um, I've been in hospital rooms where the, no diagnosis changed. It was just a mention of the name of Jesus that brought hope. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes late at night when some stuff that's just troubling me and it gets anxious, whispering the name of Jesus calms the storm. You understand this story, don't you? That his coming, his death, resurrection, his death, crucifixion, all that type of stuff, his arrest, he allowed that to happen to him. He allowed them to put him in a tomb on Thursday, Friday, but I'm telling you what, Sunday morning, he was coming out. There's nothing they could do about it, amen? Because that is where our hope is today, and so I just want to make sure that I make sure that I acknowledge him in this place on a regular basis. So last four weeks, we're talking about maintaining our connection with God. Because one of the things that I believe is that the, this period of the virus just threw everything up in the air. And sometimes it, it messed with our spiritual routines. And so how do we get back to those things that are just basic about maintaining a life for Christ? And uh, we've been following along. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It was number one bestseller on the New York Times list for a long period of time. Uh, and so we've been focusing on it, but I think why it became a number one bestseller, you ready, is on the front cover of the book, it asks this simple question, what on earth am I here for? Why am I in this place? And so he identified five purposes of the purpose-driven life. We've been looking at them for the last month. Uh, we looked at worship. That's our first purpose of our life if, that'll give it purpose, and worship is nothing more than that. It's realizing that God loved us, and our worship is nothing more than us loving him back with our lives. Secondly, you know, we looked at connect. You know, we're made to connect with God's family. And I said this last week that the Bible in a nutshell is nothing more than God building his family. It's the story of it. And we want to be a part with that. And he wants everybody to be a part of his family. You know, it was worship, connect. And then Pastor Brian taught about learning or teaching uh, that we want to learn as much as we can about what it is to become more like Christ this side of heaven, you know. And so we, we want to be a disciple, which is a learner, you know. And so we want to learn how to become more like Christ and how we act and how we talk and how we think and how we feel. We want his, his things to, to shape our character because this whole thing, right, is a lifelong process of becoming like Christ, you know, it worries me when I see people that think they've arrived. Yeah, probably not. You know, there's, there's more to learn. 
you know, trust me, there's just more to learn. And today we're going to look at another purpose, and that's this, that um, serving, that we serve God by serving other people. So that's four out of five. We'll do number five next week. But uh, knowing our purpose and why we were created is critical. So some of you are not going to recognize this name because you're too young. I'm going to say it, okay? Elvis Presley. Yeah. Okay, you know, some of you are going, yeah, I saw him the other day. And I'm saying, no, you didn't. There were no Elvis sightings, you know. But, but his, uh, his album, The Greatest Hits of Elvis, hit the charts a few years ago. He'd been dead for 25 years. But the songs were so popular. And if you don't know him, Google him. But in spite of his success, you know what his close, people closest to him said? They said that Elvis was an unfulfilled and unhappy man. You know what his wife Priscilla said about him? That Elvis never came to grips with what his purpose was in life. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach. How about that? And maybe to save people or maybe to care for people. But his search was agonizing. And check this out. The stage became a place where he could escape his misery, huh? I mean, talk about tragic. 42 years old, takes his life with a drug overdose, huh? You know, and never discovering why he was born, and what he was made to do. And that's why I'm spending some time here today is because I want us all in this room and online. We say good morning to you today. In Medina, we say hi to you. But I want every person within the sound of my voice to understand that God created us on purpose for a purpose. And we just got to discover what that is. So here's the key thought of the message. Another purpose is to serve God by serving other People, I love this verse, right, that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he wrote it to us too. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not on how you think about yourself, but catch this word. We are his workmanship. In other words, when he was thinking about your life, he shaped you in a particular way for a particular purpose. He, as a father, he put his handiwork on our life. Now, I've underlined that because we were made to make a contribution, not just to consume. God made us to make a difference. It's not, it doesn't matter how long we live. It matters how we live, day in, day out. Um, and I like the lady who understood that God had a plan for her life, and he created for certain things. And this was she said. She said, God made me to do certain things, and I'm so far behind now, I'll never die. Hmm? How many felt like that this week, yeah? Yeah, and so I just want us to stay in touch with this. And the good news, he never gave us an assignment without equipping us to do what he called us to do. Job said it this way. Job said it this way. Your hands have shaped me, and they have made me to be the person that you created me to be for a specific purpose. So just as each of us have a physical shape, and in our culture we spend a lot of time on that, but I'm saying it, it, we have a spiritual shape, a way that God created us, and that's what I want us to look at today. So you can read more about it in the Purpose Driven Life book, but he, Rick Warren gave us an acrostic for our spiritual shape, and I want to look at it today, right? He talked about spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Spiritual gifts. Right, the Bible speaks of this, that he gifted all of us in certain ways. For some of us, he gave the gift of compassion. For some, he gave the gift of help. For others, the gift of teaching. For some, the gift of preaching. Some, the gift of administration. Some, the gift of encouraging. But they're all spiritual gifts. And each one of us 
has at least one. Just look at your neighbor and say, you have a gift. Yeah, good, good. We're getting it. So heart is the next thing. Heart, you know, and when you think, when you think of serving or you think of mission, what moves you? What is it that moves you? I mean, is it helping kids? Is it helping the elderly, the poor, the broken? Is it helping those far from God come closer to God so they don't go into a Christless eternity? What is it, right, that, that is the heart, the passion that you are drawn to? The next thing is ability. Some of us are good with numbers. Some of us are good building things. Some of us are good writing. Some of us are good listeners. By the way, that's a gift in life, isn't it? Having somebody that listens well. I had to work on that one as a husband. Hmm? Yeah, I thought I was just a problem solver. And then I did discover it one day. She just wants me to listen. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, ability is another one. Personality. In this room, there are introverts and extroverts. We're different. In this room, there are leaders. And when you walk into a room, not bad or good, you just think to take charge. And there are other people that are detailed people, you know, and uh, order is important to you, very important to you in structure. And then some of you are like me, fun-loving. Like if we didn't laugh when I was at church, I feel like I didn't do my job. And some of us are easygoing, laid back. You ask you if you want coffee or tea, you say whatever you got the most of. You ask somebody that's a, a leader if they want coffee or tea, they'll say, I'll take, I'll take coffee, you should have tea today. You ask somebody that's a detailed person about, about what they want, coffee or tea, they'll say, I'll take coffee with a third teaspoon of sugar and two-thirds teaspoons of milk. And you ask, like, the fun way, and it's like, I don't care what we're drinking. I just want to have fun in here. Well, there's limits. I'm just saying to what you're drinking. Then there's the easygoing one, you know. But we all have that personality type, and God uses it in the kingdom. The last thing is experiences. I love her. Rick Warren says this in the book, and I think it's so powerful. Listen close. God never wastes a pain or a hurt. Can I tell you what he does? That Once we heal from that and we work through it, he recycles it to help somebody else that's experiencing that pain or hurt in their life. Who better to help someone process a divorce than someone who's been divorced? Who better to help someone beat an addiction than someone who has beaten addiction? Who better to help someone financially than someone who was broke, that was in debt, that had to file bankruptcy, and somehow recovered from that in their life? Who better to help somebody else in that condition? No, he wants to use our experiences to help somebody else. It's our spiritual shape. God wants us to discover it. He wants us to use it in the church. He wants us to use it outside the church. So um, he's not here today, so I can talk about him. But Pastor Brian, have you noticed that we're different? He's young, and I'm more mature. He's good looking, and I have a seasoned look. Hmm? He is a detailed person. And I'm like, Brian, sometimes you just got to fly by the seat of your pants, buddy. And he doesn't have an ounce of that in him. He's more planned. I'm a visionary and dreamer. And I'm always asking, what's next? And, and I have a general idea of where we're going. But Brian will look at me sometimes and shake his head and go, you know, could we talk about that before you announce it next time? <laughs> we're different, but can I tell you what? We're better together.
In areas where he's weak, I'm strong. In where areas where I'm strong, I'm weak, he's strong. And it's just how God made the body. And he gave us this purpose to use our shape, whatever it is, to serve other people. That's why we're alive today. Now, some of us, right, <laughs> truth be told, if we were talking in a room and nobody else is around, some of us like to serve God, but we don't like to serve other people. <laughs> you know, you got the Lucy syndrome going on. I love mankind. It's people I can't stand, huh? Yeah, and so it's like we have to learn how to get it together here. And so we have a churchy word for serving. You ready? Here it is. Ministry. Ministry. Yeah, and so uh, when we think of ministry, we tend to think of my type, right? A priest or a pastor. And then we got the other type that are, and I love them to death, like the variety of TV preachers. Have you looked at them over the years? Some of them got goofy, goofy hair, hairdos, and, and some of us wear a robe, and some of them wear a clergy collar, you know, and some of them talk like this, like the voice of God. It's, and they always ask for money. <laughs> but we're all important to the whole thing. And this is what I want to expand today, that every believer in Jesus is a minister. Because if I understand it right in the scripture, a minister is someone that's using their spiritual shape to serve other people. Yeah. So men and women and teens and children can be ministers when they take those abilities and use it to serve other people. I love what Jesus said to Matthew. And Matthew, who was a disciple, wrote it down in the book of the Bible that he wrote. Does anybody know what the book of the Bible that Matthew wrote is called? Say it out loud. You guys are so skilled, like, you know, with your Bible knowledge. Yeah, he wrote this down. Jesus said this. He said, your attitude should be like my own. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Ready? So three keys to serving like Jesus. The first one is this. Serving like Jesus means being available. So here's an example from Jesus' life, right? Follow the scriptures, I read it. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? And I've italicized and put it in yellow, he stopped and he called. If we're going to be used by Jesus, we have to be willing to be interrupted. Many times in Jesus' ministry, you want to do an interesting study in the Bible, look at all the times in the scripture where Jesus was interrupted when he was doing something else. The first miracle he, he ever did, can I tell you where it took place? At a wedding. He was just there as a guest and his mother said, help him out. And he said, my time is not, yeah, come woman. And she said, Help him out. Second one, he was on his way to Galilee. He just paused to help someone who is on his way. Makes a great study because of all the times that Jesus was going there and there was a need here. And he paused and he met that particular need. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, had a motto. And I heard it a long time ago and I've tried to adapt it into my life. He said this, do all you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you come, can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. 
So just a little family information at our birthdays when it's the birthday person's day. There's people around the table and we pause and say what we appreciate. One thing we appreciate about that person. And so yesterday was interesting for me because this is like 65. (laughs) How did that happen? But I was listening to my family say what they appreciated about me. You know what no one said? No one said, I appreciate your preaching. You know what several said? And I'm not saying this in an arrogant way. I'm just saying, guys, because it works. That when we set our pace to do a particular thing and we live it out in our life, they said, uh, Papa, I love the way that you listen to me. I love the way that you help me along the way. Like if I ever, you know, dreamed of what would be on my tombstone, it would be servant. God made us to serve. He made us to serve him by serving other people. And a barrier to that can be three of things I put down here. There's probably more. One barrier, self-centeredness. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2.4. He said, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. <laughs> we could go home now, couldn't we? You could turn off the TV. You got enough for today. The number one en- enemy of compassion is busyness. Is busyness. And we're often too busy. We have our agenda. We have our plans. We have our dreams. We have our ambitions. And some of us, right, we have no intention of serving, truth be told. But some of us, we want to serve, but we're really, really busy. Rick Warren tells a story in the book about being in a hotel. Flagged down a steward and said, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but can you help me with something? And the steward looked, steward looked back at him and said, oh, Mr. Warren, no bother. He said, this is what I love to do, to serve other people. Real servants don't mind being interrupted. The second thing that can get in the way of serving is perfectionism. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago, but uh, it's from uh, Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, what? (laughs) So uh, two weeks ago, our Facebook didn't work, you know. And we found out like 10 minutes before the service, and we were scrambling. And so our perfectionist executive pastor... Pastor Brian jumps into action, runs down the hallway, grabs a tripod out of his office, attaches his phone to the tripod, looks at the Facebook family and says, sorry guys, it's coming, you know? And he talks to them and it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. But he was able to shift gears and do something else on that given day. And you know what? Then the message went out that day to 400 or 500 people. Because we didn't wait for perfect conditions. See, I think, and I'm all for doing it right. You, if you walk with me sometime, I'm just all about doing it right. I think it's very important. But I think in our culture, we've made an idol out of excellence. To where we may not do it if it's not exactly right. And, and I was thinking about that today. And, and this is what I found over my life. That God doesn't use perfect people. There's a thought. You know why? Hmm. <laughs> There aren't any. <laughs> we, hey, it's just us today. And, and online, we're a bunch of misfits. We mess up, don't we? Nod your head. Online, nod your head. Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. We, we can mess it up. You know, we, we have faults and we fail. Tell the person next to you today, you're not perfect. 
I am helping relationships heal right now. Because some of you have been harboring that phrase and you finally got it out. Isn't it a relief? You know what I do know, though? He doesn't use perfect people, but I can tell you what he does use? Ordinary people. People like you and me. I'm a living testimony. My hair isn't perfect. One of the feedback I got during yesterday's little encouragement time with my family was, I I now do a comb over. (laughs) From a 10-year-old granddaughter. Yeah, my hair is not perfect. My schedule isn't perfect. My family isn't perfect. I don't have a grip on the English language. I don't know all the Bible perfectly. But I can do this. I can do this. That with God's help and how he shaped me, he shaped me to speak his word. How did he shape you? Another barrier, and I'm not going to spend time here, can be materialism. Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. You'll serve one or the other. You know, and sometimes serving money gets in our way from being able to serve God. Second thing is not only does he want us to be available, but serving like Jesus means to be grateful. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, so powerful. Serve the Lord with, say it louder, serve the Lord with, yeah, smile when you say that. Serve the Lord with gladness. Two barriers to gratefulness. Here they are. The first one is this, comparing and criticizing. Mm, yeah. I remember early days in ministry in the church of the Nazarene that in that denomination we had annual meetings and churches sent representatives and pastors went there yearly. And they gave out leadership awards to pastors of churches that were growing. And they would give them out from zero to 100, one to 200, 200 and above. And I remember sitting there and comparing myself to other pastors who got trophies. Nobody knew it. But I was busting my tail trying to get a church started. And what began to take place in my heart was comparing and criticizing the system. I remember being at an annual meeting and I remember God speaking to me and saying, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for the approval of others? Are you doing this for me? And I said, for you, Lord. Then what I say matters, he said back to me. And he said this. Hear what I'm saying. Good job. Keep it up. It was like those words that we're going to hear one day if we fill out this thing of, of serving God with our shape, that one day we'll stand before him in heaven and he'll look us in the eyes and say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. And so three years later, I got the award. And I keep this buried on my shelf in my office. Can I tell you why? I don't keep it so that people can say how great I was. This is a marker. This is a reminder to me that I never want to go back to that place where what others thought and the encouragement that they brought to me was more important than what God thought. Amen? So I keep it for that reason. 
and put it back out of sight. Oops, it fell over. Why do we do what we do? After that time, right around that time, an old pastor told me this phrase, and it's helped me throughout life. You ready? I hope it helps you. That the ground is all level at the cross. Mm. The ground is all level at the cross. It doesn't matter if you pastor a church of a thousand. It doesn't matter if you pastor a church of a hundred. It doesn't matter if you serve in the four or coffee. It doesn't matter if you clean the church. The ground is all level at the cross. In other words, my preaching on Sunday morning is no, important, no more important than to serve you do during the week. That is what makes one church a church that's being effective in the culture that we live in. Wrong motives is another reason. And I'm not going to spend time here. We'll just slide through this. Here's a wrong motive. When we serve for our benefit rather than the benefit of others. Self-promotion and servanthood don't mix. They just don't mix. So serve like Jesus means to be available. It means to be grateful. Lastly, it means to be faithful. Faithful. Jesus is talking when he's getting ready to go back to heaven. And he says these key words back to his father in heaven when the disciples were in, in, in range of his voice. He says to the father, I have brought you glory on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. You know what being faithful means? It means don't quit in the middle of the assignment. Finish well. Finish well. As long as we have breath, and I'm assuming you did today because you got out of bed and came to church, as long as we have breath, he is not finished with us yet. He wants us to serve him, others, serve him by serving other people. That will be our purpose the rest of our days. Now, some of us are thinking at this point, I see it now, Pastor Rick, but I've blown it. I've pursued other things. I got good news for you today. It's not too late. You can't go back and make a new beginning. You could start today and make a new end. Find your place and serve now. I saw a sign above a, a nursery where plants and trees were. It said the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. Second best time to plant a tree is what? Today. Today. So several years ago now, teenage two teenage boys walked into a church in North Carolina. The church was full that day. They walked in, were looking around for a seat, and they didn't see any seats. They turned to walk out, and an usher walked up to them and said, boys, I've got a seat for you. Come with me. And took those two boys down, seated them. And that day, those two teenage boys committed their life to Jesus for the first time. You know one of those boys. You know what his name was? Billy Graham. Can you imagine when that usher gets to heaven? <laughs> it's going to blow his mind when God tells him thank you. By the way, <laughs> Billy Graham's a Christian today because you invite him to stay at church. Not only that, but millions of people around the world in different cultures, cultures have come to Jesus. It always makes me think when I think about the kids area. Who's down there? What's the potential of some of these children that are running up and down our hallways, squashing donuts into the floor? Blessed is the church that has do jelly donuts ground into the carpet. You all right? 
Don't mistake anonymous for insignificant. Real servants do every task like it matters. If you're looking for a place to get started to serve, you can serve in nursery, kids ministry, guest services, counting, cleaning. But I got a couple questions to ask you as we close this out. How will God use you? How will God use you? You have a spiritual shape. Do you know what it is? Will you find it and use it? One day that great leader Napoleon walked into his office, pointed to a map and pointed at China and said, there's a sleeping giant, let her sleep because if she ever wakes, she will shake the world. And I was thinking that we're in this period of COVID period, of the virus period, and it would be so easy for us just to maintain as a church and just keep things kind of going. Now, what if God had something to do that we could actually have an impact on our world during COVID period that we could look at back at? I mean, don't you want to be a part of that? I just want to be a difference maker. And we've had to shift and do church differently and all that stuff. And there's more that he wants us to do. But I know this. We won't accomplish everything he wants us to accomplish unless each of us are involved in that. So on the count of three, you don't say it just because you're afraid and embarrassed because your neighbor will look at you if you don't say it. But say it if you mean it. Ready? On the count of three, I want you to say, I'm in. One, two, three. Wow, that was kind of cute. That was like a church thing. You're going to root better for the bills in a little bit than you just did. I'm talking about Jesus today and serving him. So on the count of three, say amen. One, two, three. Amen. Wow. Yeah. So I preached this message. I'm just being transparent with you. So I preached this message in Medina two weeks ago, and I did the whole thing about the bills thing, you know. And I don't know where my head went. I said, on the count of three, I want you to say beer. How does that happen out of this moment? I'm like kicking myself the rest of this Sunday of all things that you could have said. I heard your shout. Let's find out what God wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's do that. So a couple next steps off this message. One is to memorize Ephesians 2.20. Another is to identify how God will use you. And the next is you have a shape. Do you know what it is? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance to be in this room. For some of us, Lord, it's just affirming because we're already serving you with our shape. And for others of us, Lord, we got work to do and we got to find it out. So I pray that you'll help, Lord, that when we turn off this, this cast on our computer or our TV, or when we walk out of this room, help us not forget what this is about. And we want to serve you by serving others. We pray it in Jesus' name.